In your worship folder is an outline you can follow along with, um, some things to put on. They're very simple today, but here's a question for the new series for the next few weeks. What's on your mind? I'm not seriously asking you right now to share what's on your mind, but we're kicking off a series that I believe has the potential to change your life forever. It's a pretty big claim. It's how to deal with how you feel. You see, we feel emotions. We have this morning. We all feel emotions all the time. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're mad. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we feel cold or just numb. But even that gives rise to other emotions. Emotions in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. God wired all that into us. But by default, our emotions are broken and damaged because of sin. They lead us astray when we make decisions purely based on feelings. We've talked about this before. So many people say, follow your heart. Just let your heart guide you. And we could have a hundred stories from people just in this room this morning on, yeah, that doesn't work out so well. I would say this way more than we have time to get into today on this, but I'd say that that's usually bad advice. And here's why. In Jeremiah 17:9, it says this about our heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is. Is that really what you want to be following when we don't even know how bad it is? The problem is our broken thoughts, our broken feelings lead us away from God down some pretty broken paths. This is something that we talk about here on a fairly regular basis in and out of different sermons because it is such a huge deal. Our thoughts and our feelings are more important than we can imagine. In fact, remember this. We've talked about this many times. My thoughts cause feelings. What's going on inside your head, what you think about causes feelings. It causes you to feel a certain way. You're feeling the way you do about something because you've thought about it. It's awoken feelings or awoken thoughts in your head and you're thinking in your heart and it causes these feelings. And what happens with feelings is feelings always lead to intentions. You start, you're, yeah, I'm thinking this all of a sudden. This is where I'm feeling. This is what my heart says. That leads to intentions and intentions become actions. They become the things that we're actually doing that started way back there with those thoughts. And what we forget is my actions form habits. And we never intend this process to happen. It just happens. And all of a sudden, we have these habits that started way back with our thoughts. That habit creates a lifestyle. Our habits create this lifestyle in us, and this one's not up on the screen, but that lifestyle that comes from all that, that solidifies your legacy. We want to do a certain thing. We want to accomplish a certain thing. We want to be remembered a certain way. All that happens, all that starts with what we're thinking because what we're thinking leads to feelings and that leads to intentions and that leads to actions. Those actions form habits and the habits create that lifestyle that becomes what our legacy is. And that's not something that most people sit down at the beginning and actually think through. 
it just happens. And when I look back, it's like, yep, that's not the legacy I wanted to leave. And I can say every single time that's because it started with thoughts that shouldn't have been there. That's where it started. This is not on your outline, but it is on the screen. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as the thoughts of his heart are, starts with the thoughts, gets into the heart, the feelings, as the thoughts of the heart are, so is he. I like the, the Good News translation of that. It says this, What he thinks is what he really is. That's true of all of us. What you think, what's going on where nobody else can see and hear, is what we really are. The Bible has a lot to say about our thoughts, our feelings, our attitudes. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few weeks talking about how to create a lifestyle that aligns with God's purposes for us. That's what we want to talk about. If you want to develop attitudes in your, in your heart and life and have those, the right attitudes and the right feelings so you're not always struggling with those things, the ones that align your life with God's good purposes for you, we all have to start at the same place because we're all broken and we're all going to go the wrong direction left to our own. We have to start by learning from Jesus. That's where we start. In Philippians 2.5, it says this, You must have the same attitude that's th what's going on inside. You have to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And there's really on only one way to have that, and that's to spend time with him over and over and over and over. You see, you don't always get to choose your circumstances. Most of us can look back at many times in our life where it's like, yep, wouldn't have chosen that. We don't always get to control our surroundings. But you can always intentionally choose the right attitude. Something happens that's out of your control. Something happens that somebody else did. And we can choose to have the right attitude. I fail in this on a regular basis, like most people. One of the areas that I still fail at, but I'm getting better, but I still fail at it, driving. When I see people who should not have driver's licenses... See, it's showing through, isn't it? That attitude. When I see things that I don't think should happen the way they should out on the road, I have a choice. I can't choose how they drive. They're bad drivers. Wait, I can't choose the circumstances or the surroundings, but what I can choose is my attitude and how I respond to them. And I want to say, you know, I'm broken, but getting better. That's what we have to be doing here is getting better. And whatever that situation is for you, way down here on the spectrum of important, like driving, or way up here on the spectrum of important, like some of the things some of you are going through right now and struggling with. We can't choose those things, but we can choose our attitude. We can choose how we respond to it. So today... We're going to talk about choices, how to, how to deal with how you feel and how to make those choices. The first choice is, uh, I have a fill-in on your outline, but I already have it up at the top. It's like cheating. The answer's already there. Today, we're going to be talking just very briefly about choosing hope when you feel hopeless. Because hope is a choice. Hope is something that you can choose when you feel hopeless. And we're going to look at a character that we've looked at many times in the Bible, one of the biggies in the Bible. We're going to look at Abraham for one of the Bible's most inspiring examples of the power of hope in a believer's life. 
Abraham, just to set it up for you, when Abraham was 75 years old, I'm still at the age where 75 seems old to me. It's getting to the point where it won't be very long now before that won't seem old anymore. But imagine this. At 75 years old, God says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you to pick up everything and leave. I'm not necessarily going to tell you where to go yet, but I'm going to ask you to head for a new land. And I'm promising, now at the moment, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, um, they have no kids. He's 75 years old. God also promised he would be the father of a huge nation of people. And there's some instances in the Bible where there was some laughter going on from them because they responded the same way we would. Um, God, you know I'm 75, right? And God said, this is my promise. At 75, he promised that. Abraham had no kids. God waited 25 more years until Abraham was 100 before he had Isaac. The child of the promise of God. Now, let me ask you this. You might not have ever thought of this. What do you think Abraham thought during those 25 years? He was waiting 25 years is a long time to wait, especially when you're 75, right? He's waiting for 25 years. Here's the story from the perspective of the book of Romans, chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. It's very important to remember that. We're going to look at that in just a second. Verse 18 even when there was no reason for hope. Actually, it started out pretty much no reason for hope. They'd been together a long time. There were no kids. Now he's 75, and, there, and it'd be very easy to say, yeah, there's no hope for that. And God waits another 25 years, but it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So there was no reason for hope. There was hopelessness, but Abraham had hope. Verse 19, Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years old, we talked about this just a few weeks ago, at 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. Remember we talked about that and how that's not something you put on like the the eHarmony site, you know? I like long walks on the beach and motorcycle rides, and my body's as good as dead. Call me for a good time. It's probably not something we're going to brag about. His body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. So if that isn't a hopeless situation, I don't know what is. But it says his faith did not weaken. It says, verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. That's huge. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too. That's why the Old Testament's there, for our benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right 
with God. What I believe Abraham's life teaches us, among many, many other things, is that we can always have hope. So on your, I think it's on your outline. I want to just very briefly look at five reasons why you can always, always choose hope. And you say, you don't know my situation. Yeah, I'm guessing it's not as bad as Abraham's was. You can always choose hope. Here's the first one from verse 17, the first verse there. Your creator raises the dead. The God who made you, who brings new things out of nothing, it said, made everything, can raise the dead. That's the one you have on your side. That's whose power you have. Your creator raises the dead. Because of that, you can choose hope. That's incredible power. And when we see his incredible power, it reminds us of our incredible weakness. And that's number two. God is glorified in your weaknesses. See, we don't like to tell people our weaknesses. You heard when Rosie shared about Mike, one of the things that's made um, Mike effective in what he's done is he has not been afraid to say, here I am, take it or leave it. You know, I'm broken just like the rest of you. And, and been able to admit, I am weak, but in my weaknesses, God is strong. And God is glorified in your weaknesses. In those situations where you think there is no hope, this, this thing is never going to be what it should be. There is, we can choose hope because we say in this weakness, maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's something that you look and you say, I just, I don't have what it takes to do this. And God's saying, I'm glad you finally admitted that. Now we can get somewhere. And he's glorified in your weaknesses. The third reason you can always, always choose hope, your God is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his promises. It says Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. His faith grew stronger, it says, and he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. Now, here's the thing. You have to understand a little bit about what God promised you. He promised Abraham that he would have kids, that his descendants would be like the the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. God may not have promised you that. You can't read that verse and say, that's about me. Not necessarily. But he has hundreds of thousands of promises in his word for you. And you can be assured that if God promised it, he will be faithful and do it. He might not always do it your way, but you will look back and say, he was faithful to his promise. So how do you know the promises? Well, you go to, you, you go to a good church that teaches God's word. You, you get in a small group or you have relationships that are smaller than the large setting like this so that you can grow more, you can learn more. You spend time every single day in this book, the Bible, letting Jesus talk to you and talking to him. Those are the kind of things that start in your thoughts. Remember, we just finished the series, You in Five Years. That's one of the ways that the You in Five Years is going to be who it should be is spending time every single day with Jesus. And it might not seem like it's doing anything little by little, but over the course of time it will. I had the most phenomenal time this morning. Got up early. The sun was early. It's supposed to come up at a certain time every day, but it came up early today and woke me up, and it's like I'm kind of tired. And I, I got up, and I, did, I went to where I'm reading. I'm reading 
Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, as well as some stuff in, in Second Peter I'm in now. And what was so fun was I read the chapter from C.S. Lewis, and it's like, the, the guy is, I, I can read like three pages, and then it kind of, my head starts smoking, and it blows my mind a little bit. Um, and I read, it was so exciting today, the chapter that I read, and, and it was just so good, and I was praising God for that, and I was thinking about it, and, it's, and then I picked up my Bible, and, and I went to the next spot where I was at in Second Peter, and it talked about the exact same thing. It's like, thank you, Lord, for sure. And it even had something to do with what I'm talking about today. And it's like, just thank you, Jesus. But that comes when you spend over and over and over, you learn what his promises are for you. That he said something about you. He gave you a promise. He gave you a dream. And you can be sure that God is faithful to his promises. That's why in a hopeless setting and in a hopeless situation, you can choose hope, regardless of what's going on around you. The fourth thing is this. God is able to deliver. God is able to deliver. And it said he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. I don't know what your dream is that God has given you. I don't know what he said you in five years is going to be. I don't know what he said. Here's what um, I'm saying over you that this is going to be for you, that the relationship that you're struggling with is going to be exactly what it should be and things are going to come back together. Or I don't know what he said to you, but I know this. You're not able to deliver or you would have already. But God is. And it doesn't matter what that situation is. God's able to deliver, and you can choose hope because you know that He's the one working behind the scenes, doing what needs to be done. He's the one. And, and I've, I've, I've had a lot of people talk about this Abraham story. Why would God do that? First of all, why would He call on it at 75? And then why did He wait till 100? He did that. For the same reason he does things in our life that gets us to the point you hear all the time people say, I, um, I don't believe that God gives us more than we can handle. And, and I, I said, then you don't know God because he gives me stuff every single day that I can't handle. And it says specifically, Paul said the same thing. If anybody could handle stuff, it was Paul. And he said, we despaired even to the point of death. We could not handle what God had given us. He did that so that we wouldn't depend on ourselves, Paul said, but so that we would depend on him. That's why God promised Abraham that at 75 and didn't, didn't have the promise come to fruition until he was 100 because nobody would say, that was Abraham and Sarah. Nobody would say that. They would all say it was God. And in your life, you can choose hope because God is able to deliver. The fifth reason you can always, always choose hope from this passage in Romans 4, verses 23 and 25 tell us, because Jesus died for you and rose again. Out of a situation that everybody there thought was hopeless, God brought hope. And because he brought hope from that situation, because Jesus died for you, and what looked like a hopeless situation became the situation that brought hope to the entire world. Because of that, because Jesus died for you and rose again, you can choose hope. You can say, the situation I'm in seems like death. It's like, that's nothing for God. He's taken care of that many times. So I don't know where you're at or what you're struggling with, but I know that whatever it is, you can choose hope. Now, you can choose to continue to be hopeless and pathetic. That's your call. But we can choose hope. 
We don't have to let our feelings dictate things. Remember where it starts? It doesn't start with our feelings. It starts with our thoughts, with our heart, with our head. We have to think the right things. We have to be talking to God every day and letting him talk to us. We need to be connecting with other believers who are pouring into us so that we are able to grow into that and make those right choices. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to assume that you get that, that you can choose hope. And I'm going to give you a challenge for this week. We live in a time where it seems the world is falling apart at an ever-increasing rate. I would say just listen to the news, but you know what? Don't listen to the news. <laughs> if you find a spot that the news is actually telling you the truth, please tell me I'd like to listen to that because I haven't found one yet. It's not the weather. Yeah, it's not the weather either, that's for sure. There is so much division. There is so much, um, there's so little civility in our world today and very little So here's your challenge for the week. Speak hopeless. Speak to a hopeless world around you. Speak hope. To whatever your sphere of influence is, to whatever is around you in your world, speak hopefulness. When everyone around you may see doom and gloom, you get to present hope. You get to be the positive one. Thinking positively is not some magical thing. It's where you think. That's where your life goes. That's what we just read in the Bible. So if you think the right things, your life has a far better chance of going in the right direction. So when everybody around you is seeing the wrong thing, you're the one that's sharing hope. I like to say that that's, that's woven into the very core of my DNA, but it wasn't until I met Jesus. I was the doom and gloom until I met Jesus. And I I don't know what my blood type was before that, but he changed it. My blood type is even B positive. (laughs) Because that's what you're supposed to do. Here's what 1 Peter 3.15 says. But make sure that in your hearts, remember it starts way back in what we're thinking, and then it moves to our feelings, and then it moves through that. Make sure in your hearts you honor Christ as Lord. That's not saying it when the right people are hearing it. That's not, that's not saying it to make you look good. That means when it's just you and God that you understand that relationship with you, that you have with Him, and that in your heart You're honoring Him as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope you have. Julie, remember the hats I talked about? Can you grab me two of those? Today's one of those days that I would forget my head if it wasn't attached. Fortunately, I have Julie. It says this, Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope you have. So here's the first thing about that. You need hope. And then when you have it, a hopeless world around you will see that you have hope. Why do you have hope? Let me tell you. That's what this is saying. Be ready to give the reason for it, but do it gently and with respect. We got these. Thank you so much. It's like to watch her walk away. (laughs) She's my wife. I can say that. (laughs) 
I always think of Mike when I, when, I, when I see these hats. We still have a couple of them left. We were out at Saddleback, and, and they, had, um, they had done an Easter thing, and it says, see what it says on it, hope. And on the inside, it says, be ready to share your hope, 1 Peter 3.15, the verse we just shared. I think about Mike when I think about this because um, we've, the, they were passing these out, and this was their Easter thing. Easter was over, but they were passing these out, and it's like, did you have a few extra? And the guy's like, yeah, we had a few extra. I said, what do you mean? Now, they're a big church. They got a lot of people come for Easter. He said, when they ordered them, somebody put an extra zero on the end of the order. <laughs> Mike asked the guy, we got two boxes of them and came back on the plane with two boxes and everybody in church got one many, many years ago. I only have a couple left. So I want to know if somebody is willing to share hope with, with their world around them, first hand up. Next hand up. Close. <laughs> Close. Here's the thing. Every single person here needs hope. Do you know, you can live without water for a while or food for a while. You can't live without hope. We get to share that. So my challenge to you is to share that this week, but here's my question for you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you need some hope. Maybe you don't have the hope because you don't know the Jesus that we're talking about that gives hope. Maybe you don't have that relationship with him. He's the one who set the pace. When you know Jesus, you will know what hope is all about. So maybe today when we pray, you're going to be the, one of the ones who say, in the quietness of your heart, because that's where it starts. You're going to say, Jesus, I need hope. And I believe that when we read today that you died and rose again, that that was for me. That you died to pay for my sin. And I don't understand all that, but I'm going to believe that. I'm going to trust in you that that makes me right with God. And that that begins a journey of hope. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. Father, we... um, we are all the time in situations where we don't feel the hope. We feel the hopelessness. And it's so easy to begin to look at our weaknesses. It's so easy to begin to doubt your promises. It's so easy to begin to look at the wrong thing. And my prayer is for those here who have already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief. They know Jesus. They've claimed him as Lord and Savior that today they would be able to see that they have so many reasons to be able to choose hope regardless of how hopeless they feel. And they don't have to live in that feeling today that they can choose hope. And Father, for anybody here who's never made that commitment to you yet, that today they would realize it's not, it's not just about going to church. It's not about um, the rules and the rituals and the regulations and the requirements. It's about a relationship with a God who loved them so much that he was willing to die. And that by placing our faith and trust in you, turning from our way of doing things, turning from our rebellion, turning from our sin, and turning to you, receiving Jesus as our Savior, that we could come into that relationship with you and be changed from the inside out. That we could begin to build lives of hope, that we could share that with those around us, regardless of how hopeless things get, that we would be that beacon of hope because of you. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.
That just inspires hope, doesn't it? I'm going to pray, and when I dismiss, normally you can go out either door, and the the sun is beautiful. I think it's still out. I don't know. It's Minnesota. You can go out either door, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, If you go out this door, I want you to come back in for just a minute into the foyer because there's a table there. Close your ears for just a minute. Can't hear. hear. He's got plugs. He's got things in there. Um, There's a card there. A great big thing that you can just sign and and put a little personal note to Mike um, that would be uh, something that I know that he'll um, uh, be able to read and cry about and cherish, and it'll be fun. Um, So um, make sure you do that on the way out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing here. Um, We thank you again for for Mike, for his faithfulness um, over so many years in, in the role that he had. And as you take him on uh, another path here, another phase of life, Father, um, we just we thank you that we still get to um, have Mike here and see you work through him as he says yes to you. So we just thank you for that, Father, and thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for what you have done for us so that regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the situation we find ourselves in, we can still choose hope because of you. Father, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.